Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. I'm Hussam. And I'm Guillaume. In this podcast, we are going through the fundamental concepts of corporate treasury, which I learned from my experience working at a big four consulting company. And he'll explain it in a way that someone like me who knows nothing about the topic can understand. We hope you enjoy the episode. So, Guillaume, in the last episode, we talked about um, interest rate risks. Yes. Right? We said, okay, you could have fixed interest rates. You could have variable interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we already talked through the FX, right, the foreign exchange risks. And yes. you went to, took us through uh, how you mitigate those with your hedging. Yeah. How do you do that for interest rates, though? Yes. Um, I know you like examples, Susan. I no kind of like them as well. So, let's have one here. And let's have one... Um, that we can all relate. So, Usam, if you were to start your own business, what would it be? I would open my own cafe with the best penna chocolates <laughs> in the country. Love it, man. Sounds lovely. Um, you? Okay. Well, mm, I'd be in the same industry, but it's more of a restaurant, I think. Yeah, so we I'm don't compete with each other. Exactly. So you can sell your pain au chocolat and I sell the best uh, crepes Belgian crepes. people have ever tasted. Um, what do you think about Sounds like a good idea. We can be next to each other. Let's do this. City Center of Brussels, does that work for you? Perfect. Let's do this. So, lovely business plan. Um, We're going to make a lot of money out of it, but more importantly, we're going to live our passion, right? Um, So, in order to start our business, Hussam, we both need a 100,000 euro loan for some reasons, like buy the stuff, start the business, hire some people, um, getting your working capital management, working, etc. So, we both need a hundred thousand euro. We're gonna contract a loan. Um, you have your cafe, and the bank grants you a fixed rate loan of, let's say, five percent per period. A period can be one month, three months, six months, one year, whatever. Five percent interest fixed per period. Well. For my restaurants, um, the bank is a little bit skeptical. Um, they do not want to take too much risk. Uh, and they say, okay, we're going to finance you. We're going to lend you 100,000 euros. But you're going to have a floating rate loan. What does it mean? Uh, the bank is going to tell me, okay, Guillaume, we lend you money at the condition of LIBOR plus 2% per period. What in the living hell is that again? So, so you say LIBOR? L-I-B-O-R. Exactly. What does that stand for? So LIBOR stands for London Interbank Offered Rates. Um, so it's a rate at which banks lend money to each other. Um, this is basically how much it costs the bank to lend money. Like, okay, I'm getting the money at this LIBOR rate, and then I will need to apply my margin on it, right? So we call this a benchmark interest rate. Again, that will be for another episode. But we wanted to introduce uh, the term of LIBOR here. Okay, so I pay 5% of the 100,000 that I've borrowed uh, in every period, whether that's annually or monthly or whatever. Exactly. Um, so 5,000 euros. Exactly. Right? But you pay uh, for your restaurant, LIBOR plus 2%. Yes. Which means... Okay, so let's take period one, right? Uh, period one, you're going to pay 5%. Fix. You pay five hundred. Uh, sorry, five thousand euros. 
um, I pay LIBOR plus 2%. Um, let's say for this first period, uh, LIBOR is equal to 2%. That's the cost of money for the bank. So they say, okay, Guillaume, this period LIBOR was 2%. I'm adding my agreed 2% margin on it, which makes an interest rate of 4%. I need to pay for the loan of my restaurant 4,000 euros. So you win. You get to pay less than me. So I should have a variable rate as well. So in that case, indeed, I, I appear to have a better deal than you. Uh, but in period two, uh, LIBOR has fluctuated a bit. Um, the situation, the world economic situation has a little bit more uncertainty. Uh, banks tend to be a bit more careful. So let's say LIBOR is 5%, uh, to which, again, my bank is adding this 2% margin. So now I end up paying 7% of interest on my loan, which makes it 7,000 euros for that period. Um, and so on. It can vary every time. Okay, so I'm always sure. So I'm taking the low risk approach, which is I know it's 5% every period. Let's say that's every month or whatever. Yes. Um, I'm paying 5,000 every month, whereas you need to wait for the letter to come through the door to find out how much you need to pay. Exactly. And you carry that risk. Exactly. But you could win or you could lose. And, and, so. mm. and these LIBOR, these are like published. Yes, it's, it's public information. Everyone's yeah. aware of it, and you can. And, and do you know what affects those? What creates one to go up or down? So this is a bit too technical for me uh, at the moment, but uh, we'll keep it for another episode, Sam, with great pleasure. Yeah, thanks for challenging me. <laughs> so what if LIBOR goes off the rails? Like if it's like ten percent? Yes. Right. Then you're paying twelve percent, which is twelve thousand. Yes. Right. Um, and I might or, as well go out of business. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or it goes to like 0.5%, mm. right? Yeah. And then you're paying almost nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially compared to the fixed rate like this. Um, um, could go anywhere. Exactly. So again, it depends on my risk appetite, right? Um, I'm a small restaurant. Uh, what I tend to do is to be conservative, uh, not take too much risk. But I didn't have a choice. The bank uh, granted me a loan of a floating rate, uh, LIBOR plus 2%. Now, Hussan, I feel that you like risk. Um, and I hate it. Um, I want to be able to plan my budgets, uh, to have consistent, predictable growth. Um, I want it to be steady. So I'd rather go for a fixed loan, but that's not what I have. Now, you love risk, and yeah, in your mind, you think eventually the LIBOR will go down. So you'd earn money having not a fixed rate anymore, but a floating one that will eventually make you pay less than 5,000 euros per period. So knowing that, Plus, you're a very good friend. Uh, we have our business next to each other. So we talk every morning um, around this awesome Pau Chocolat of yours. So I come and I propose you a deal. Um, look, Sam, I'm going to pay you 5,000 euros per period, no matter what happens. Um, those 5,000 euros are yours, and you can use them to repay your loan. Um, but in exchange, I would like you to pay me LIBOR plus 2%, no matter what. Uh, either LIBOR goes up, goes down. It's not my concern anymore. You like risk. You take it. Uh, and you might, I think it's a good deal for you because I also think LIBOR will go down, but I, can, I cannot take the risk. So what we are doing here, we are exchanging our interest rate payment condition. We do a swap. And a swap is the name of the instrument that is used for such situation. So although we both have our individual contracts with our banks, mm -hmm. we can, between us, swap our contracts because we're in different... You know, maybe people are buying lots of penne chocolates right mm -hmm. now. Exactly. Uh, and I'm willing to take the risks more now, yeah. right? Because yeah. I've listened to 
a great podcast about public pleasure. <laughs> and I think I know a thing or two about what Libor's going to do. Excellent. Uh, so I decided, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go back to my bank and adjust my contract because it's fixed over a period of time mm-hmm. and that's too much effort or whatever. But you're proposing me a swap. I think Libor's going to go down. I think it's a, I think it's a good deal for me. Okay. And awesome. then we would swap our contracts mm-hmm. between us, create a new one. Uh, independent from the one that we have from the banks. Exactly. Um, based on our current needs as exactly. independent businesses. Yeah. So, exactly. So, that's quite a basic example of how a swap works, but that's exactly it. Now, in the real life, you would have those swaps with the bank, again, with a financial institution, able to deal this kind of derivative again. Um, but indeed, that's the mechanism. That's exactly how it works. So, this reminds me of like... Um, the thing that I think in all my economics classes growing mm-hmm. up, I studied was always the 2007 mm-hmm. um, crash, right? Yes. And we're kind of giving away our age that we studied the 2007 <laughs> Ouch. crash. Ouch. As opposed <laughs> to lived it. Exactly. Uh, but that's, that's, I heard something like this, right? Interest rates went up. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. So everyone with a floating interest rate mm-hmm. had to pay a lot more. So all the borrowers all of a sudden had to pay a lot of money. Exactly. So, uh, many things happened uh, during that crisis. Um, the interest rate, the floating interest rate were a thing, uh, not the only one that led to this crisis, but indeed, that's what triggered it in the first place. So, the Fed, the Federal Bank of the United States, uh, at some point decided to change its um, economics policy, and they say, okay, we're going to raise up the interest rates. It ended up having increasing interest rates for all the borrowers of mortgage uh, who were able to buy houses uh, like this. And therefore, they were able to afford their loan anymore, which had uh, what we call a systemic effect uh, because of also uh, toxic projects, but that's for definitely another episode. But they did. Uh, floating rates were involved in those crisis, uh, in those events during the crisis of 2008. Yeah, absolutely. That's super interesting and relevant. It it's is. good to know. 